Welcome to the Craft Beer Showdown, episode number nine. In this episode, it's all about bridge beers and getting people to like craft beer. With me always is my trusty cohort, Amanda. Hello. And, like I said in the title, uh, we're going to talk about bridge beers today. We're going to talk all about beers that people that want to start in craft beer would would like. So if you have a friend that likes craft beer, but or likes beer, and wants to kind of like the craft beer you like, this would be a great way to get them started. So before we get started with that, a little bit of beer news. So the first uh, kind of beer news thing I found that I thought was kind of funny and scary all kind of wrapped up into one little ball is the Buddy Cup from Budweiser. Now this is kind of old. Uh, they did a sample of this, I believe, in Brazil about a month ago. But there's a video on YouTube uh, you can find where it actually explains this. Basically, it's a cup that when you get to the party, you link to your Facebook account. And it has a little RFID chip in it. So as you go through the party, everyone else has one of these cups. When you clink cups with them, it friends you on Facebook. Amanda, what do you think? I think that's totally creepy. You just go up to all the people that you thought were really attractive and clink the cup whether they wanted you to be clinked or not. Exactly. I, I kind of thought of like the uh, the yawn and stretch and put your arm around someone. You could just kind of stumble and be like, oops, clink. And now you have this list of people. And you know, even worse off, if you have a less than secure Facebook account, not only will people tag you in weird pictures from your night out drinking, but now you have a list of like 20, 30 people. You know, so let's say you're you're dating someone and they look on your Facebook account and they see that you just friended... Clinked cups with 30 different men. <laughs> yeah, or, or worse yet, you know, like 35, 40 girls. Mm. That's going to start quite the conversation. Especially if you actually start talking to one of those girls or guys and then... Yeah, I don't know about that. I guess <laughs> if you're single and you're in the club scene or something, it's perfect. The anonymous sex club scene. I guess. I mean, it's also kind of a stalker cup. Oh. Uh, you know, all you got to do is smile at someone and clink cups with them and now you know everything about them i'll feature that one on my next uh, beer party but yeah so that just goes back to the the whole idea of the big beer guys spending more on the container the beer is in than the beer itself so kind of weird kind of creepy um yeah the buddy cup from budweiser and worst of all what do you do with the cup at the end do you just Take, do you take the cup home? Do you throw it away and then... Can't you reuse it for your next party? I mean, does it just have like a buddy orgy in the garbage can? Like as you take the garbage out and it just Every time the bag clinks around together and adds someone new. Yeah, you add like 200 friends when they take the garbage out or... It's a terrible idea. Terrible, terrible idea. So the next thing I saw today when I was reading uh, the interwebs was homebrewing is finally legal in all 50 states. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how every state has its weird um, brewing laws. I actually didn't know Mississippi was still hanging in there, but uh, that's good to read. Yeah, so uh, Mississippi had actually talked about doing this, and it was on their slate of things to do, but they finally passed it. So uh, Mississippi is the 50th state. Let's see here. Homebrewing was federally legalized in 1978 for the first time since Prohibition made it illegal in 1919. So it took from then till now for all 50 states to have it legal. Interesting. 
There's definitely still bits and pieces, I think. Uh, when my parents were in Florida recently, they told me about an interesting law on Sanibel Island where they vacation that uh, um, a brew pub couldn't open there because you weren't allowed to brew beer for sale on that island. So they had to move actually off the island. They couldn't even generate income where they wished to. Not that that's home brewing, but, you know, just yeah. random BS laws. And back to uh, a BS law that we kind of talked about earlier, uh, what, two episodes ago? Yeah, I think so. Uh, PA privatization, so privatizing the liquor and making beer sales a little bit easier, actually passed, I believe, the House. So it was moving to the Senate or the other way around. I think it was passed in the Senate, yeah. Okay, so passed in the Senate, but unfortunately did not get onto the budget for Pennsylvania this time around. So it looks like it might be up for a full vote sometime in the fall. Uh, they actually just the they actually just passed that. It was like one thirty in the morning, like at the very yeah. end of the session. It yep. was interesting. But this happens every single year. Gets a little farther every single time, but gets pushed back again. Yeah, and, there, and then there's good and there's bad about that, just like any law. But it's it's going to be interesting to see where that goes and what what changes for the citizens of. Pennsylvania. As well as all of us that work in the beer industry. Exactly. That will definitely give some kind of change, whether it's good, whether it's bad. It seems to be good for the rest of the country. It'll just be sort of a bit of a shock for us. But for me, at least, it'll be a welcome shock to go into a Sheets or gas station and buy a six-pack. A very welcome shock. So, the next little thing... And this isn't really craft beer so much, but it's a very iconic beer and kind of speaks to what big beer does. Uh, Bass Pale Ale is one of the most iconic beers in the world. It's actually known for having the first trademark of a logo. The uh, the triangle logo of Bass was the first trademark logo, I believe, in the world and has been around for forever. Well, AB Bev changed the name of Bass Pale Ale this week. It is now Bass Trademark Number One. They already screwed up the flavor profile. Why not go ahead and change the name? Yeah, it just goes to show you what happens when you're looking at a big beer buying someone. It's I know last week we talked about Goose Island and how they were actually able to make more of their beer and they were happy. But here you have a tradition in England you know, that goes back as you know as long as anyone can remember with Bass Pale Ale and now they've kind of changed all taste and now they're changing its name totally so and it's it's definitely marketing here you know we talk about how craft beer has uh, you know <clears throat> the quality ingredients to go into it etc etc uh, this is this is AB and Bev making money off the fact that it is the oldest trademark uh, which I would imagine a lot of people just you know aren't familiar with and now it's now they know that, and now Budweiser gets to capitalize on it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really drink bass, so I'm not that broken up by it. I guess it's more so just seeing seeing something that was tradition changed that doesn't need to. It's just a long history, obviously, yeah, of AB and Bev doing this to, to breweries. Yeah, it's just stupid. It flaunting of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, you know what? That's what it is. It's showing that you can you can do what you want. Well, the last last little thing of beer news I had was actually uh, pretty interesting. For the first time in 30 years, 
a woman was named Homebrewer of the Year at the National Homebrewers Convention. So, uh, looks like... It says, the last time a woman was named Homebrewer of the Year at the AHA National Homebrew Competition, Ronald Reagan was president, <laughs> Toto won a Grammy, and MASH aired its final episode. I don't, I don't even know who Toto is. I'm sorry. Band? Yeah, no, literally. I mean, a dog. Yeah. Uh, ouch. <laughs> I live in a... I am not ouch. that much older I live in a hole you. under a rock. <laughs> I am not that much older than you. Anyway. So, Annie Johnson earned Homebrew of the Year with her light American lager. Which I, I think is pretty cool. It must be a pretty phenomenal light American lager to win an award. Because yeah. I really don't think of light American lager as award-winning Right, and how often beer. do we knock light beer and just the way it's brewed and adding water to uh, a regular lager? But this one, yeah. So, pretty cool. It's, it's exciting to see a, a woman get recognition in something that it seems like they kind of get passed over in. Um, I, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, my unfortunately, my major is gender studies, so uh, I like to try to keep an ear to this kind of um, gender-related information going on in the industry. Because uh, it is, I mean, a lot of these are still male-dominated. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say industry like four times in a row right now. Uh, so that's awesome to see. Um, there's If you're interested and you're listening and you're a woman and you're into the industry, uh, check out the Pink Boots Society. Uh, that's sort of women in the industry uh, sharing information and education, um, Pink Boot Society, yeah. Isn't that kind of gender role-ish to call it Pink Boots? I think it started like that, obviously, because you wanted to differentiate yourself as much as possible, uh, and so you would go with what is the girliest thing you can think of, pink. You know, So they actually the people who started, who started the Pink Boot Society already stood out because they were brewing in pink boots at the brewery, huh. so... Well, you know, way, way back, you know, when beer first started, women were actually the, they were the only ones that made beer. That's right. Guys That's didn't right. make beer at all because it was considered cooking, which was beneath men. Yes. It's very womanly. Um, it wasn't really until beer really picked up as being a commercial product, not just something to make it so that you didn't drink bad water. Poison water. Yeah. Until then that, you know... Got, men actually started doing it and then started doing it primarily. I think Ninkasi Brewing has a pretty good history about that on their oh, really? website. Yeah. Oh, wow. They always get recognized, um, especially from another woman in the industry. Her name is Ginger Johnson. Uh, I would look her up to womenenjoyingbeer.com, and her entire role is she travels the country and educates uh, consumers, retailers, wholesalers um, about getting women involved in beer. Especially because traditionally when you think about light beer, you think about um, babes in bikinis slinking down the beach, you know, drinking a light beer. And uh, I don't know. I, I've never done that. Oh, so wait a minute. So this, the pink boots people don't just wear the pink boots? No, it's not just the pink boots. They, they wear <laughs> so all the clothing. You almost had me going to the site. You're so close. Just <laughs> drop me off right there. I'm sorry. Oh, Brian, that hurts. So, so close to going to it. But anyway, I'll put all the links to all the things we talked about and some of the things Amanda mentioned there uh, that I didn't even know in the show notes. So if anyone's interested, you can go look at them. So with a little bit of the beer news out of the way, I um, guess we can talk real quick about some of the cool beer stuff we did this week. Uh, Amanda and I actually worked a beer fest together uh, what, yesterday. Yes, without killing each other. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, it was the European Beer Festival. Uh, so basically a... Fairly large beer festival. What? Um, how many beers were there? Do you think? 
Ooh, uh, gosh, over 100. Yeah, so I'd say about that. It was pretty much every import that's available in Pittsburgh through any of the wholesalers is at this beer festival. So a whole lot of beer. Um, I'd like to say that I you know, had a blast running around drinking all the beers and pouring for people, but I, I find when I work things like this that I'm not that impressed with European beer. And I people, some people might you know, call me a traitor or, or say I don't have you know, a proper palate, but aside from good Belgian beers, I just I really don't like a lot of European beer. Yeah, uh, they're just very... I don't want to say all of them, but obviously you're very familiar with German lagers, which are just crisp, clean, easy-drinking beers. They're not really meant to blow your palate. They're just supposed to be easily quaffable. Um, but, I mean, they, we had things from all over the place. We had uh, Croatian beers, Slovakian beers, you know, English, Belgian, German, Russian, Polish, uh, beers you wouldn't even think you'd drink from a country ever yeah, and I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's cool to be able to, to log them in untapped and say I had them, but... Did I you really, even get a badge from them yesterday? Not a single badge. See? Look at that. Wasted time. Checked in like 30 different ba- beers I hadn't had before, and next to getting me closer to my next unique beer badge, I got nothing. I think that does kind of say um, something about the life of import beers now, because America... Uh, our brands are becoming imports now for other countries, uh, whereas in the past it was always breweries coming into the United States instead. Now we want to drink local and fresh, and imports sometimes are about the farthest thing from local and fresh. Uh, well, obviously the local part. Yeah, especially in an area like, uh, at least where we live in Pittsburgh, where there is a really strong I don't want to call it a renaissance, but a renaissance of brewing, so that there's multiple, multiple local breweries. And it seems like the multi, the local tri-state area kind of breweries are really, really driving the sales around here more. So it seems like the import beers are getting drank less and less. So, you know, A, there's a bigger chance that the beer you're getting is out of date or expired. Um, B, if it's traveled across the ocean, uh, there's probably a bigger chance of it being light struck. Uh, a lot of those beers don't come in brown or the, the bottles aren't brown. Um you know, they probably aren't temperature controlled on container ships, uh, a lot of those things. So it's just maybe that's why some of them don't impress me. Maybe by the time it reaches us, they're just not what they are. Yeah, maybe if I had them in that country, well, you always hear that phenomenal. about Guinness that people say, "Oh, Guinness over here in America is disgusting." You know, but if you actually went to the source, it tastes totally different. Which I think every I think everyone that says that is wrong. Yeah, I don't. I'd love for someone to prove me wrong in that, and you know, bring me some Guinness from St. James Gate and have me try it next to a Guinness from here. But if anything, the beers in uh, in England specifically tend to be lower alcohol mm-hmm. than they are here because they're actually taxed on a per ABV basis. You actually pay you know, for the alcohol you put in your, al- your beer there instead of a, you know, a flat you know, volume tax. Well, plus I think all the people that usually say Guinness from the source is fresher are the same ones that say, I like a big, rich, dark beer like Guinness. Yeah, it's, I'm, don't think that we're trying to knock knock Guinness drinkers. Um, Not all of them, but I just I've yet to taste any difference in a beer from a country, ver, you know, versus the one that's imported. And even that, a lot of the ones that are imported aren't even really brewed in their their original place. So I don't know. I could be wrong. 
Um, it yeah, seems not like, all imports are imported anymore. Yeah, and it you know back when water profiles weren't caref- as carefully controlled, I think that had a lot to do with it where the water was coming from. But now that you can control water profiles, just you know down to the tenth of a percentage of pH. I, I don't think that there's a taste difference, at least at least my experience. Right. If someone that listens to this has proof for me or has personally sat down and tried one versus the other, please tell me. Send it on maybe, over, yeah. M- maybe you'll win me over, but... Or sponsor us on a trip to, to Ireland. Yeah, yeah. If anyone wants to, you know, if, if Guinness is listening and wants to bring me over to St. James Gate and give me some Guinness and, and prove it to me, by all means, I will not turn it down. Well, we, we do have a Hofbrau house in Pittsburgh, and supposedly they imported uh, German brewers to work the systems there, so it should be as authentic as it gets. But uh, speaking again to maybe how imports aren't that popular anymore, or these you know European styles aren't as popular, uh, it's almost like a younger crowd goes there that just wants to get drunk off their ass and sing along to the goofy little Oompa songs and do shot skis. Uh, don't, get... don't knock the shot ski. <laughs> do not knock the shot ski. I will say a lot of bad things. But there is nothing like lining up with four or five of your friends and someone getting a shot poured down their chest. That's disgusting. <laughs> I, w- I will let you go a lot, but I will not let you knock the shot ski. Brian and I are agreeing to disagree. I'm bringing a shot ski next time. Oh, amateur um, hour. Although, no, I only have snowboard. I gotta do shot board. Sorry. That sounds scary. It's like two per person at that rate. Well, if you take the boot off, then no one catches a boot to the face, you're good. So, we should drink out of a boot. That's what we should do for our next one. Not Das boot, but actually a boot. A boot, yeah. I think I have one here. That's the worst idea I've ever heard. Why? We, we did it when we went to Victory a couple years ago. Um, but, of course, whoever got it last totally dropped it and broke it. But I think the whole point is, is that you, you just drink way too much if, you, if you're drinking out of a boot at that point. Yeah. And then, you know, to do it correctly, you had to have seen... Uh, to turn it over? Yeah. No, we had we that's we found out the hard way. We found out at Victory that you had to turn it over like that. Yeah, you don't want to catch the air bubble. That's impressive. Yeah, uh, I'll have to take a picture of it for you guys. The the Victory boot is it's impressive. It could fit a decent sized child or a six pack. Both things that you'd put a seatbelt on. Okay. Um, man, did you do anything, do anything else wildly interesting this week that had to do with beer? No, not at all. Sadly, I don't think I really did either. I mean, the, the fest was fun. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it torrentially poured. It was horrible. Just, Actually, yeah, the weather was horrible. But as is going to beer fests, you know, sometimes you get awesome weather and sometimes it's just horrendous and rain sideways. And we don't drink as much as the patrons do, so they're sort of all blissfully ignorant and sopping yeah. wet, and we're miserable and not making much money. Yeah, exactly. Well, since that was really all we did, we can kind of skip to the, the meat of this then. Uh, the big thing I want to talk about in this show was something I'd actually uh, sat and talked with a friend about uh, last week, was uh, what's called bridge beers. So beers that that kind of bridge between... You know, whatever beer is you can get for a dollar on dollar bottle night to craft beer and appreciating beer for what it is. So it doesn't mean that what gets somebody to enjoying a hop slam, but what can convince somebody that paying an extra two bucks for a bottle of beer is is really worth it. Because I think that's the first hurdle. 
You yeah. know, when you when oh, you definitely. go through college and you pay for the cheapest thing that you possibly find and you just look at alcohol as the way to get drunk, which not to say that, you know, that doesn't happen when we drink craft beer. But if that's all you're looking for is the cost-effective way to get a nice buzz, uh, it makes zero sense really to, to start coughing up money. Um, you, you know, unless you start looking at ABVs and things like that. But mm-hmm. right off the bat, nobody's going to do that. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's kind of transitioning that person over from you know the the cheap beer that you know is meant to get them drunk to the appreciating phase um you know moving from the conversation about the boot and seeing the boot singer staring at me doesn't really speak that well to the I'm going to move it off the table so it starts blocking Brian <laughs> it don't, the the boot doesn't really speak to the quality versus quantity but you can't turn down drinking from a boot ever so anyway the the idea of the kind of bridge beer or the beginner beer is a big topic, especially for those of us that work in the beer industry that stand there and do a beer sampling and watch somebody walking past with a six-pack of Coors Light and want to get them to maybe put that back and spend two bucks, three bucks more and get something really awesome and, you know, that they'll really like and actually supports you know, somebody like a good, good local brewer, even not a local brewer, but some, you know, a craft brewer, somebody that actually gives a shit about their product and not just how many barrels they have to make or what their quota is. You know what I really thought would change is when um, Anheuser-Busch was purchased by, you know, an international company. I really thought we were going to get a lot of drinkers away from them because Anheuser-Busch went from being the American beer to not American at all. And you would see all these, like, you know, typical blue-collar guys supporting Anheuser-Busch. But even if you tried to educate them and be like, you know, that's actually not an American brand anymore, they still drink it. So, I well, re- the, I, I guess I was stupid, but I thought it would well, change. Well, the commercials are still American. I mean, they still have the commercials during the Super Bowl, and it's not, you know, a bunch of Italian or Belgian guys running around trying to sell you beer. So, it's still... It's still an American beer in everyone's mind, yeah. I guess. But, you know, back to what the the topic at hand here is, we started talking about what beers would you recommend to somebody that said, man, I really like that craft beer, but I have no idea where to start. There's 200 beers in this cooler, you know, and it's all starting at like $4, $5 a piece. I don't want to just start buying random beers until I like something, you know. And I think that's where a lot of people stop is – those those crossover drinkers that would like something better, a lot of them I think are too scared and don't want to seem like the idiot that asks their friend what to get. Well, so, what we can appreciate too is a lot more um, bars are offering samples um, or those paddle samplers so you can get like three or four at a time for like five bucks and it's only a couple of ounces and you could try a whole bunch of them if you want to. And a lot of – actually, well, I don't want to say a lot. I wish there were more. That would offer a half pint option, so you could try mm-hmm. a couple instead of having to go through an entire pint. Or you know, if you just feel like having a couple beers with friends and just getting a half pint, I always ask for that. But very few bars mm-hmm. seem to be able to do that. Yeah, there's a couple local ones uh, that do, and a couple not so local um, ones that that I've been to that'll do that. Right. That either do like a, a four ounce sample, or they'll do a twelve or a six ounce, something like that. Brew pubs seem pretty open to it. It's yeah. just getting your local bar to do it that seems to be pulling teeth. Yeah. So I, I kind of took that talk to Amanda, and we looked at what, you know, what were some beers that we thought people would like, and that's kind of what what the theme was for what we're drinking today. 
uh, as we were kind of talking about this show beforehand, we started with a Peak Organic Nut Brown Ale. Uh, I actually got that in my shipment from uh, the Craft Beer Club that I made the video about uh, a couple weeks ago. So it's basically just a nice nut brown ale. You're looking at probably about 5.2%. Yeah, I was trying to find alcohol um, on here, but it doesn't have it listed. Yeah, if I remember correctly when I looked, it was about 5.2. And that's pretty much the standard for five, for seven. nut browns. No, oh, the, uh, the peanut gallery has told me it is 5.7%. Thank you, Todd. Say hi, Todd. Hi, Todd. He's our fact checker. So Yeah, see, we got somebody on staff now. That's how ooh, important we are, huh? Yeah. So, the um, so nut brown, like 5.7%. That's actually a little high, I think, for, for a nut brown. I didn't really taste that at all, but... Yeah, East Ends is like three and a half or something, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But that's, I, at least my experience, just from my friends, I've found that brown ales and nut brown ales tend to be what they like the most. Yeah, it's very easy to get into because they just zero hop bitterness yeah. to them. So it's very easy drinking, a little bit sweeter. It's 4-7. We're firing our fact checker as we speak. So it turns out the nut brown ale is 4.7%. So that actually puts it a lot more in line with... Session. Yeah, with a sessionable ale. And kind of what I thought. Usually I think they're like 4-2 to 5. But anyway, so it's... They're just kind of... They're not offensive at all. Uh, they get a little bit darker than a regular beer, which I think it off-puts people a little bit. But you get like that toasty, malty taste to them, and it's... It's good without being too intense in any way. Sweet and light-bodied. Yeah. So that's kind of my first thing that I always go to if someone says, I want to try a good beer. I kind of always look for a nut brown ale. Uh, the second beer we tried was uh, Brooklyn Brewery's brown ale. Uh, it's about the same ABV, uh, same idea. It actually has a little bit more hop flavor, uh, just a little bit. I don't think it has too much more bitterness, though. I would say compared to the two of them, it was almost a little bit harsher. Um, but that's, you know, that's me trying to come from a easy-drinking palate. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's, I guess it's kind of hard for people that really like a good hop-flavored bitter beer to kind of go backwards and think about what, you know, what would I like if I was used to drinking Coors Light or, or Budweiser or Miller. But at least from my experience in Manda's too, the brown ale seemed to be a great one to start with. Um, a couple that I put down here that we didn't have to try today, uh, Sam Smith's Nut Brown Ale. That's actually a good European one. Um, Sam Smith, or Samuel Smith Brewing, they make a, a phenomenal brown ale. It's right around 4, 3, 4.4%, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, but that's a really good one. And then, you know, if somebody still wants to kind of, you know, get a, a name they recognize, a lot of people recognize Samuel Smith. Um, Abita Turbo Dog. That's a, another good one. That's a little bit higher in alcohol, um, but I've done a couple beer samplings with Abita, and people just seem to love love Turbo Dog. Well, I, I think i got to be honest. I think probably Purple Haze was one of the first craft beers that I had, and at the time, I, was, I didn't really know what I wanted to drink. I was definitely in college and doing a lot of Beast and stuff. Doing a lot of Beast. That's a, yeah. Anyway, drinking a lot of crab beer, you know. You don't really drink Beast. It kind of just affects you yeah that's true you just you, you taste it and you're like this is horrible but you drink it anyway because you, you're in college you just earn a headache that's right yeah immediately and then maybe you get drunk you know, mm. just like eight beers later exactly oh where was it going oh yeah so anyway purple haze because it just had a really lovely raspberry flavor that wasn't too overwhelmingly sweet yeah and that's actually a, a kind of a good 
uh, transition topic there. The the other one that I tend to rec- recommend for people are wheat beers and specifically uh, flavored wheat beers. Because it seems like the wheat beers, especially in the summer months, are just great for flavoring. So you look at like a 21st Amendment's Hell or High Watermelon. Uh, those are a pretty uh, – that's a pretty huge beer. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of flavored beers, but all the ones I'm going to name here, I, I just – I'm, I'm crazy for. I love 21st Amendment's Hell or High Watermelon. Um, the Fatheads, uh, the, the local brewery we actually mentioned in an earlier episode, they have one called Bumbleberry. It's a blueberry. I, I just it. had that one for the first time actually this weekend. I don't like blueberry, so it, it didn't resound with me. But um, it was good. I just don't like blueberry flavoring. So If you get it at the uh, brew pub, you actually they'll put blueberries in it. Yeah, where I used to, well, not work, but up at the Blue Canoe, they used to do that with their blueberry one, too, float blueberries. Yeah, really great beer. Uh, Ithaca Apricot, um, I'm not the biggest fan of apricot flavoring, but it. I, I thought they did that one really well. Um, I can't say I've ever had it. You might have me stumped on that one. We'll have to find it. Okay. And then the you know the last one that's kind of fits in that category is the uh, Purple Haze. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of in that, that wheat beer category. And if you want to back off of the flavorings, if people say, I don't like fruit in my beer, if you go for a good wit beer, because um, you still get kind of the, the spice and the orange peel and stuff, uh, still kind of a lower alcohol, I think that's a great one too. Yeah, as long as you – I mean, I, I think some people don't like a lot of clove and some of the, the – I don't want to say heavier, but the craftier wits can have a ton mm-hmm. of clove and yeah. peppercorns and um, a lot more flavor. And I don't know if I'd recommend – Gosh, off the top of my head, like a Voodoo White Magic would probably be way too strong to start with for your. You don't like baked ham in your beer, <laughs> or yeah, or baked ham in my beer. So those are a couple good ones. And if somebody says, you know what, I, I need to go a little bit more than that, um, you know, because the I don't like Coors Light in those because they don't have enough flavor. Mm-hmm. Then I think kind of going to like the Sierra Nevada Pale Ales or Dr. Shad Sixty Minute. Introduce them to the hop. I mean, let's remember that IPAs, at least especially in Pittsburgh, are the best-selling style of beer. So a lot of times when people who don't really know craft beer start talking about craft beer, they think it just means hoppy. I don't know if you ever noticed that, that people will be like, oh, I don't like craft beer because it's too hoppy. Well, that's not all that it's about. It's just kind of what we've made our name for these days. Yeah, and there's a uh, – we'll we'll laugh about this. There's a local person that calls himself a nano-brewer who will remain nameless. Uh, just because I appreciate the fact that he wants to make beer, but I don't so much appreciate he does it very poorly. Um, he actually said that uh, something that I, the only thing he ever said I, I agreed with was that a lot of people think craft beer has to be super bitter, super high alcohol, you know, super something. And it doesn't have to be. It can be. Um, it can be a light American lager, just like this woman that won... But the home brewer, yeah. yeah. one as a home brewer with an American light lager. So craft beer doesn't have to be crazy, you know, tipping the scales in any direction. And I think that's good to show people. Actually, that's really interesting. If you want to pause there for a minute and think about this light lager kind of movement, um, that is, you know, no matter what we like to say, still the number one style of beer selling in the United States, you mm-hmm. know, Miller Lite, Bud Light, Coors Light. If there were more marketable craft light beers on the market... Um, I don't know that that would necessarily be the worst thing. 
Um, if you could have a good one and get people started on that journey by at least supporting local and, you know, quality ingredients, maybe I shouldn't knock light beer too much. Yeah, exactly. I think we knock light beer because it falls into the, we're not really knocking light beer. We're knocking the shitty beer category. Right. And just so happens a lot of people make shitty light beers. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, not that, at, uh, I just mentioned Blue Canoe five minutes ago, but they make a light lager and it sells well because that is still the, well, it did back when I was up there, but mm-hmm. um, it is still the dominant category. But, you know, you just don't make, you don't use corn or rice or whatever. You find a way to brew it lighter. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that at least those couple beers are really good ones to start people with. Um, I'm really interested to see if anyone else has one that they think is good, you know, let me know. Uh, shoot me a message. Uh, I'll add it to the list. Maybe I'll even do a post later where I can keep a running list of these so that somebody that wants to help their friend out can can grab this list. Or, you know, better yet, if somebody found this podcast or found this site by searching for things like this, you know, look at the list, uh, see what you think. If you're trying these beers for the first time, you know, let me know uh, if, if you think they're good or not. You know what I, I don't recommend very much for bridge beers are craft pilsners um even though you know your miller light and your bud light and your coors light are technically pilsners when the craft breweries touch them they tend to get real hoppy real fast not all of them but it's like they're they're i don't know if that's you know german versus czech versus american or whatever but they tend to get a little bit too hoppy so just because one pilsner is what you're drinking doesn't mean all pilsners are good for you now the the one uh the one kind of caveat, I guess, that I'll, I'll give to this is if you give one of these beers to somebody and they say that's terrible and they say, I don't like dark beer, so I don't like that, try – I would say either try to explain to them or hopefully if you've tried that, you know, I, I hope you ex- understand that it's not the color of the beer. It's not the style of the beer so much. It's – you might try one wit beer that's terrible, and you might try another wit beer that's the exact same alcohol content that is phenomenal. I guess the other part of that would be uh, something I hear a lot of people say are, are great beers to start with are uh, like lambics. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot, like the the Lindermans, uh, Frambois, or something like that. And personally, while I, I do think that they're great because they have a lot of fruit flavor and they're not harsh in any way. I don't think anyone starting out should drink those beers because, number one, they're expensive. Yeah. They're fairly low alcohol. So if you're drinking to enjoy beer and get a little bit of a buzz, they're not they're, – you're not going to get it. Right. And and three, you're not re- – you don't respect that. It's – those beers are very hard to make correctly. Uh, they take a lot of work. There's a lot – you know, they're a very specific style. And I think once you understand a little more about beer – then I th- I recommend them. I don't recommend them for the the first time drinker or someone venturing into weird categories because you're just going to get fruit and say, oh, it's a fruit beer. Well, it's really not. Right. Yeah, stick with your flavored fruit wheat beers like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, te- honestly, you'll pay less, you'll get more alcohol, uh, more more beer most of the time, and you know once you get once you or whoever you're talking to gets a little more used to them. Then by all means, try you know try new things. I don't mean to tell you never to try them, but the idea of those beers is their intricacies, and if you're not familiar with them, you won't pick them up, and you're just you're, honestly you're wasting your money. You know you're going to pay seven dollars for a beer that you could pay four, five, six dollars for, get more 
you know, more more beer itself, more liquid, a higher alcohol, and still enjoy it. Right. So are there any other beers that you could think of that, that you think are, are good in this category? Uh, probably. Uh, I think one of the things that you'll have with your friends that uh, say they don't like craft beer is they'll generally say, I don't like beer. Uh, and chances are all they've had is something crappy and very easy to get. Maybe it was what they remember drinking beer pong in college. Explore what kind of booze they do drink. If they're a wine person, you know, if they drink champagne, grab a Belgian triple. Grab something that's similar profile-wise. If they like red wine, grab them a Belgian double, etc., etc. Uh, do a little research into that. If um, gosh, even cider, I would I would use as maybe like a bridge. Oh yeah, and I actually I'll I'll put a link in my uh, show notes. I did a post a while ago on beer and wine replacements. So if you Perfect. like certain wines, what beers are best fit to them? Um, so that that should really help too. If you haven't seen that yet, I'll put it up there. Yeah, just overall, I think it's know a little bit about the beer, and I think. When I have a when I talk to people at beer samplings that aren't familiar with beer at all, the the three things people say that just drive me nuts that I, I actually I know you're not supposed to fight with a customer, but I will fight to the death with is I don't like beer in a can, mm-hmm. I don't like beer, mm-hmm. and I don't like dark beer. Yeah, because those are probably the three biggest generalizations that I've heard. I always want to ask nuts. what dark beer have you had that you don't like? You know when. Do you really think about, I don't like dark beer? Well, what has this person had that they think is dark beer? Because yeah, it's exactly. Guinness that's not even remotely representative of dark beer. Yeah, so, it's not even representative of Not to go back to Guinness the, again. It's not even representative of the style that it's supposed to be. You, you know, so... It just Those are the three things. If you say, just drive me up a wall and I will argue with you. I'll go buy beers that aren't even my sampling and yeah. have you open them and have you try them just to show you. It's fun. It's fun finding something that someone's going to like. Yeah. It took me, I want to say two years to get my wife to, to start liking beer. She, she started liking a couple of them. Um, oddly enough, she still doesn't like a lot of beers mm-hmm. and doesn't like a lot of hot flavor. Her favorite beer is Dogfish Head Old School. That's a big she, beer. She's a, she's a very small, very, 100 yeah. pound girl. That loves this 15% barley wine that we can only get once a year for an obscene amount of months. It just, it kills me. I, I have some hidden and aging right now for her. Um, That's very kind. Yeah, sadly, I bought one four-pack last year to last me the year, and she figured out when we split the first one that she loved it. So my four-pack became our four-pack. <laughs> I love it. I guess that's love. I guess that is love. Splitting your four Sharing pack your of old school beer, yeah, is definitely yep. definitely a sign that she must be a keeper. Well, you're already married. Oh well, yeah. So that's I guess that's kind of funny that you know that and uh, one of the first beers that she had that made her really kind of want to try more beers. Oddly enough, was another Dogfish Head, uh, 120 minute. <laughs> So she likes all the boozy ones. Yeah. Um, and I mean, she can only drink maybe a quarter of the bottle, you know, before it's probably a bad decision to drink anymore. But we went to the brew pub and she had it and just went nuts over it. Yeah. And I mean, just had a sip of mine and I had to order one. I don't, I don't know if I could drink more than about a quarter of one either, to be fair. Oh, it's a bad decision for me too, <laughs> but I can. 
so, I mean, I guess that kind of shows you that, you know, this list that we're saying isn't the end-all, be-all of bridge beers. Absolutely not. It's, you know, giving people – if you know a lot about beer and you want your significant other or you want your friend to, give them something. Like maybe one of the things here and listen to what they say and what they don't like. And honestly, I think that's a better signifier is what you don't like versus what you like. Right. And speaking of uh, broad interest styles, we are coming up on pumpkin beer season. I kind of hate to say that since it's just the 1st of July, but some of these pumpkin beers will start releasing in July. Season creep. It's been pumpkin beer... uh beer season now for a month that's true we were we were at hop and frog two weekends ago and we got to have their double pumpkin and their regular pumpkin as well as their Oktoberfest. so those were already brewed and ready yeah and since i've grown them so so much now there's actually some still left over from last year yes in, in the store so I, yeah. i've seen it's almost all year which i'm okay with another you know another i'm just getting a little the, old that's all yeah but another one of the few pumpkin beer or few beers i like that are flavored is pumpkin beer yeah and i think um, that's a really good intro actually that's kind of one of the reasons i got into craft beer uh was probably around pumpkin season because pumpkins in them of themselves don't have much flavor so if you were to just brew a straight up pumpkin beer it wouldn't taste like much so when you get a pumpkin beer, it's actually a pumpkin pie beer or a pumpkin spice yeah, beer. it's all the spice. I mean, there's right. uh, East End Brewing that's out of Pittsburgh does a beer Nunkin. called Nunkin. So it's a pumpkin beer with no pumpkin in it at all. So he's just being honest about his, whereas some of these other people have pumpkin beers that have zero pumpkin in them. But it, if you have somebody that likes that pie flavor, um, unfortunately, they got rid of my favorite Michigan Screaming Pumpkin a couple years ago. It was an affordable lower alcohol one that just tasted like eating a piece of pumpkin pie with some whipped cream on it. It was amazing. My favorite by far, and it's everyone's favorite, but pumpkin from, uh, well, not pumpkin. Uh, Southern Tier. Uh, pumpkin from Southern Tier. Yep. Uh, pumpkin from Dogfish Head is really good, too. Pumpkin is good. That's actually a good lower pumpkin flavored beer it's right. kind of a yeah, it's a brown ale too yep so um you know around pumpkin you know halloween season fall season um if you want to get someone into it maybe try the dogfish head uh pumpkin plus it's got a fun story because it was brewed for that pumpkin chucking contest yeah, yeah the one's on um the discovery channel mm-hmm. they can go watch people fling pumpkins and know that sam was brewing that beer for pumpkin chucking <laughs> yeah but no, my hands-down full-time favorite is Southern Tears Pumpkin. Southern Tier out of Lakewood, New York, uh, right up from Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, just phenomenal beer. Um, I love it. I mean, they've changed the, the ABV a little bit over the past yeah, years. Yeah, and they added and subtracted some different hops. Uh, but it has largely stayed one of those pumpkin pie, taste the crust, taste the whipped cream, taste mm-hmm. the everything in it beers. Yeah, yeah, they're good. And that's a great example of what, what I really like about a craft brewery is you don't have to make the exact same thing every year you could you know make something that everybody loves and you sell out of in the first two weeks and then say i think i want to do it better or i think this would be better or let's try this different and no one's stopping you because you're independent there's no huge board of directors to stop you you know it's it's the brewer and the owner and they can do whatever the hell they want absolutely you know what? Make what other beer. what other company out there would sell out of a product one year and then decide to change it the next year? That's that's crazy talk. But they keep selling it out every year, even though they change. They lowered the alcohol almost two percent, I think. Yeah, and it's available um, in bombers too, which normally yeah. aren't best selling beers. Yeah. So to be able to do things like that, I think, is what makes a craft brewery so great. You know, you get a brewer that or brewers that have a vision. 
do whatever the hell you want, and it'll probably turn out good. It's fun to go to Southern Tier, but it's, like, in the middle of nowhere, so make sure you have some place to stay. <laughs> yeah, well, if you do go, go in the fall. Um, oh, it's, it's a beautiful drive. Yeah, Lakewood, New York is probably one of the most beautiful places in the world in the fall. Um, I'd put it up against anyone. It's on Lake Chautauqua. Um, they even have a couple cool beers there that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, that uh, I want to say they have about 12 taps. Mm. Uh, and their brewery tour would be the reason you'd want to stay somewhere. Uh, the brewery tour, I think, is 15 or 20 bucks. You get a, a, a nice, stange-looking uh, taster glass, a little bit bigger than a normal one, and basically all the beer you could drink during the tour. Uh, you stand in front of uh, taps for half of it. We're going to do a girls' trip, not Brian and me, but some of my girlfriends, and I think October. I, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> I, I love that place. I really do. Um, but if you, if you get a chance, I'd go. Um, if not, if you can find Pumpkin somewhere, or even any of the other beers, try them. I have yet to find something they did that I absolutely hated. That, that just be cautious. Of, they but. make big beers. I mean, not all of them. They do have the 12 ounce or um, just the bottle, regular bottle lineup um, that are good. But there is a Black Water. The Blackwater series. Is that what it is? I want yeah. to say like Black Reach, but I think no, that's Blackwater series. <laughs> so the, yeah, but they're all good. But they're all like ten percent alcohol. Well, they just the did mocha, uh, the creme brulee. Well, they actually just released their um, their higher alcohol series in, in sampler pack twelve ounce bottles. Yes, that's right. That's the, right. Um, the Iniquity. Yeah, Iniquity two X IPA and uh, Unearthly. Is that the pack of pails? No, no, that's the. I can't remember what they call it, but the pack of pails is like just the, their lower yeah, stuff. Yeah, the the fin and mats. And, ah, okay. But, but yeah, so if you see anything from them, uh, I'm not too sure how far they distribute. I think it's fairly far. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't um, know I know they've clue. been expanding the brewery lately. But if you if you see anything from them, I'd try it. They're really good. Well, I guess back to the you know the beginner, the bridge beer topic. Basically, anything that's not too extreme, I would try. You know, we just named the things that we've had experience with in our beer tastings and with our friends. When we have parties and beer dinners and things like that, that... When people, we talk to people and say, you know, what did you like the most? These are the things they tell us. So they might not be the the best, you know, the best for this. But if you have people saying the same thing over yeah. and over again, though, at some point it has <clears throat> to be slightly true. Yeah. Uh, the last beer that we we just had here, we just finished up, was from another local brewery here called the Church Brew Works, which kind of first is easily one of the nicest brew pubs I've been in in my life. Oh, it's an old Roman Catholic church. You know, enormous vaulted ceiling, uh, stained glass, everything that was decommissioned, and this brewery saved it, completely redid the inside as a brewery. Uh, I mean, they have their well. Room. You can you can still totally tell it was a church. It's still like stained oh, oh. glass windows, and there's still like the whole altar up front. Oh yeah, the, the pews are all cut up into the seats. Right. Um, I mean, it's but instead of a holy relic, you have fermentation tanks. What's yeah. the difference? Which is really cool because it was a beautiful old building. It was mm-hmm. going to be torn down. And instead of tearing down this beautiful building, you know, being a church or not aside, you know, it's still an old building that just, you know, enormous amount of work went into building that, you know, was going to be go away and it was saved. Uh, it's actually kind of great. They brew in the pulpit. Yes, have, that's awesome. Well, the, um, yeah, the fermentations up there, which yeah. is really cool. They, um, they I always act- like to say that's a church I can get behind. Yeah, I, I got to agree. And I think that every time I go in there, it's just, it, it fits it perfectly. Um, if you go up to the bar in there and you don't sit down, uh, the confessional booths are actually their liquor cabinets. I think that's just amazing. Um, but the, the one of the really cool parts about the place is 
the if you drink draft beer there, the beer actually doesn't even get kegged. It actually goes into tanks behind the bar mm-hmm. and then gets poured. So it's probably the freshest I've ever had. Cause, I mean, even a lot of the other brew pubs get you know the the brewery kegs the beer and then just you know drops it off at the brew pub. Right. Uh, unless it's like a brew pub special. But the beer we're having is the all their beers are church themed. So this is the Pious Monk Dunkel. It's a, a Munich Dunkel style lager. Um, I, the reason we had that is I think that's another style that might be maybe a stage two for getting someone. But you'll notice, I mean, so far these the ones that we have had are are sort of you know dark, slightly darker colored beers, but they're sweeter, a little bit lighter bodied, um, easy drinking for sure. Yeah, and that's I think the you know the darker sweeter thing is a good point there. A lot of these darker beers have that sweeter toasty kind of taste. You know, if you don't get a dry stout or or something like that, you get that residual sweetness left over. And I mean, and that's what a you know a, a dunkel is meant to be. It's mm-hmm. meant to to have that kind of toasty sweetness to it. And that's uh, just did a tasting with them last week, and it's everyone says it's their favorite one out of the group every time. Yeah, and it's you know. It goes along with that whole theme, like Amanda said. Actually, that's true because that Celestial Gold comes in the variety pack, too, which would normally be mm-hmm. what you would think would be the bridge style, you know, just the golden lager. Mm-hmm. But not always you want apples to apples, so. Yeah, and that's kind of like what you mentioned, where the, the, the German-style beers tend to maybe have a little bit more hop in them, maybe, right. you know, are great beers, but they might not be the best for a, a beginner. Yep. So that's about it for all the, the you know, beginner beers or bridge beers that we had bridging people from crap beer to craft beer. Um, if you, like I said, if you have something that you think should be in that list, I am always open to suggestions. It'll help me out. And a little bit later, I want to do a post on this so that I have it written down for everyone to to learn from and help with. Just remember, we're based out of Pittsburgh, so a lot of these are regional favorites or maybe even only available in Pittsburgh, some of them. But uh, we definitely look forward to ones that maybe we've never even had before. Yeah, definitely. And any beer I can add to the list, even if I don't try it, at least I can help cover a wider... Right. New Belgium is one of the biggest craft breweries in the United States, but they don't, they're not in Pittsburgh. So, you know, yeah. we're not going to drink up Fat Tire or something. Yeah. But they do. I mean, you know, speaking of them, though, Fat Tire is a pretty good all-around beer. Uh, a lot of their beers tend to be... I, I don't want to say they're, they're not... Uh, experienced beer drinker beers by any means, but they're, they, they tend to fit, a lot of them tend to fit a wider crowd. Right. So that's, that's probably another good one. Um, if I know down South, they tend to have a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, new Belgium. Yeah. Uh, where are they out of, you know? We've got a thought like Colorado. Oh, well, I didn't know that. I, have to look I that could up. be completely wrong. Well, I'll look that like up. Like I I'll, said, they're not in our area. We'll, we'll put a couple links to these guys in the, uh, in, in the show notes. Um, that that's South Carolina was the only place I ever actually bought it in person other well, than just having someone give it to me. They m- added their new brewery to North Carolina, right? Oh, okay. That's because probably why new I saw ba- it there. Yeah, the, you're the right. reason New Belgium isn't in Pittsburgh was that they were only delivering on places where they could have refrigerated trucks take the beer the entire way to the wholesaler. So they were very much regional for a long time. Okay, that um, makes sense. So when they expanded, and I think it's North Carolina... They opened up a whole new market. Yeah, I, I, that sounds really familiar. So I think, I think you might be onto something there. 
Might be totally wrong and lying to I think, the... I think I have like 50% here. I'll be honest. 50. I feel good about 50. Okay. I, I'm, I'm good. You know what? 50 is more than I am on most things, so I'm, I'm okay with that. So before we go, we actually wanted to have one beer that was a little bit more our style. Not that we don't like all the beers we talked about or tried tonight, but we kind of wanted to to drink the things we were talking about to kind of get a good feel for them. While, at least speaking for myself, the the browns and at least a couple of the, the flavored wheats really aren't my bag most of the time. I, I, I'm a sucker for trying things I haven't had before, and I've right. basically had all those because that's how I started And drinking. if nothing else, this is a nerd craft beer podcast, right? So we have to have a nerd craft beer. Exactly. But partially we're staying on style, too, because what we have, um, kind of ironically, I didn't really intend this, is a new Belgium that someone brought from us from out of state. It is out of Fort, Col- Fort Collins, Colorado. Ooh. So my 50% paid off. I still don't know where they're brewing. It, I don't know if it's North or South Carolina, but hey, one bit at a time. So this is from their Lips of Faith series, um, which I don't know. Like I said, I'm not as familiar with the brewery, but I, I have a feeling a lot of them are sour styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sure as bananas can't speak any kind of French, which I don't even know if that's what it is. But I'm going to say La Folie. Okay. It's a sour brown ale. It's in a bomber, and it's 7% alcohol. It is a 2013 series. Um, the description of this says, Seriously sour, this Flanders-style reddish-brown ale was aged one to three years in French oak, French oak barrels for mouth-puckering perfection. One to three years. <laughs> Somewhere like in between of, then. Seems like kind of a wide range. Did they just forget? Like, they just, like, found the barrel and they're what? like, Oh, shit, Plus, is this here a year, say, two years? Like, there's only so much time you can have in a barrel before it stops adding any kind of flavor or doing anything to the well, I guess beer. if you're doing anything to it, I mean, they might have been, you know, adding sugar to it. They might have been adding bread to it. To the barrel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we're going to give it a whirl, drink it on air, have that, um, oh, crap, this is really good, or oh, shit, this is horrible <laughs> moment where we sit here quietly and figure out what we want to say. And honestly, this kind of makes up for the complete fail we had at the last Sour episode of every Sour we tried. This Ended one says not sour, being sour in big red letters on it. And also Flanders, which is a good sign. Yeah, so I guess we're, we're making up for last time and finishing out the show on something we already talked about. So uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers. And even though our fact checker didn't uh, get his facts 100% right, we let him cheers too. We're really uh, nice people. I'm pretty sure this is a beer. See, this is why we don't let him talk on air either. First off, that's really good, really good aroma. That smells... Exactly how I would expect something that says Flanders on it. Well, I wanted it to be such a huge aroma that my mouth started, like, watering just from smelling it. But don't worry. As soon as you actually drink it, your mouth starts watering. It is tart as heck. I think it's excellent. Mm. Yeah, that actually rivals uh, Reserva, I think. Well, now, to be fair, it's not a raspberry beer, but... No, but... Yeah, it's still got that... For... For, Mouth puckering is a fantastic word to use with this beer. But yeah, for beers that you know, for sour beers, I would say that goes up into my top list now. This is very nice. I agree. No awkward silence like yeah. last time. This is flat out an awesome beer. So we finally found a sour beer, even though it's a couple weeks late. You know, we found the sour beer. We're good. Well, I, I think again, since it is a nerd beer podcast, um, there will probably always be a sour element. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, we're suckers for not opening our sours, but I know I do have a reserve in the fridge. Yeah, and I have it's one. I have one too waiting. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, may, maybe it'll be for a, uh, you know, a milestone episode. That's right. That's right. So that's really everything I had for the kind of the bridge beers or, you know, beers to get people to like beer. And we even ended on a note of, a, you know, a really great, you know, solid beer, a great sour brown ale from New Belgium. The, I'm probably saying it wrong, La Folie, Lips of Faith. Unless you had anything else, Amanda, I'm pretty good to, you know, finish this puppy out. No, I just want to drink this beer and stop talking. So that's it from the Craft Beer Showdown. Uh, thanks for listening. You know, we've had a good couple hundred people every episode listening. I think that's amazing and kind of scary all at the same time. Um, I basically made this for the, you know, 10 or 20 people in around Pittsburgh that I talk to that kind of do podcasts so we can listen to each other. The fact that other people are listening to it, I think you're all kind of crazy. Thank you, though. Yeah, I mean, thank you, but you're, you're kind of crazy. Um, it, as always, if there was something you thought was crazy or if I got a fact wrong, but if there's a fact that you didn't, you know, that you thought was wrong, uh, just let me know. I'll fix it. But that's about it for us. Uh, thanks for listening, and until uh, next time, cheers. Cheers.